Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and David Priest, goalkeeper, coach and columnist. So, a new season's upon us. Will it be the same old story? Top six set in stone and the rest delighted to make up the numbers. I hope not, but let's be honest, last season was a one-horse race. Will Liverpool run them close? What do you think? I, well, I sincerely hope that they'll be much closer. I hope we get a tighter race this time around. We didn't last year. That was the one disappointment. What we were treated to last year was a very special performance from one team that Manchester City their consistency the quality of their football was outrageously good hopefully we'll see two or three teams produce outrageously good football over the long haul and Liverpool look best equipped don't they they're, they're very settled in the clock way their recruitment this summer looks first class and having got to the final of the Champions League they should now have the belief that they are good enough to win the Premier League the question mark is defensively away from home in particular. Uh, are they resilient enough? We'll find out over the coming months. But, yeah, I, I would be excited if I'm a Liverpool fan ahead of this campaign. It's looking pretty good. Mm. Jurgen Klopp's talking about the danger of expectations spiralling out of control. That comes with the territory, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's, you know, expectations real, I think. You know, it's a genuine... Uh... A genuine option for them to, to push for the title this year and think that, that maybe he's overachieved a little bit getting to the Champions League final last year, but the p football they, they played was thrilling. And, you know, the games against Manchester City typified that as well. And, and not only have they they've improved the, the starting eleven immensely, in, in my eyes, with, with Alisson and uh, Fabinho, Keita, but also now they've got the strength and depth. You know, you're looking at they might as well as Jordan Henderson's played at the World Cup for England and played last season, could find himself on the bench at times. You know, and it will give them uh, a lot more options uh, should games not be going their way. You know, in this modern football world, we always concentrate on the managers or the head coaches, don't yeah. we? And Klopp seems to have captured the spirit of what is quite an emotionally intense club. Mm, yeah, I would agree. Is this his key season? Oh, is this his key season? Well, it is a key season because he, he's now known as the bridesmaid, isn't he? He's the choker that does ever so well. And then when it comes to the crunch time, he can't win the trophy. And he will personally be really determined, I'm sure, to 
get to climb to the summit this time around. And and as a team as well, they probably need to they need to put some silverware on the table, don't they? Because it's all well and good, as we've seen with Spurs, to get the praise, to be loved by people, especially the neutrals. But you, you only get one career, and you want to win. You want to win stuff, don't you? And, and Liverpool are good enough to win things, no doubt about that. So yeah, they drew a lot of games, didn't they, last year? And if they just turn those draws into victories, they they can challenge City. And we saw when they played City that actually, when it's not, there's not a huge gulf between the two of them. When when Liverpool are on it, and they've got a good lot of good young players as well that, that you would think will kick on this year and, and be even better. So. Um, very exciting times. What about, if you look at the Man- Manchester City, assume that they are favourites, where can they get better? <laughs> can they? <laughs> yeah, good question. I, mean, I think there's probably going, always going to be question marks defensively, really. Even though, I mean, they were, they were brilliant last season. Edison was the most protected goalkeeper in the league. That's because no-one had, had the ball the whole time. Well, well <laughs> this is it. It's the best form of defence. Other teams can't score if you've got the ball, but... You know, you, you look at kind of Otamendi, the injury worries over company, constant injury worries over company. John Stone mm. seems to have matured through this World Cup as well, so possibly there. And you think Mares comes in and you think, well, was he really needed? I, mm. I, I can't look beyond them. But what, what we, we have got this year and what might make it a, a more of a title race is that you've had a lot of the bigger clubs, they've got a lot of players being away at World Cup and they have had a great deal of preparation time. But also, we're talking about the managers, I think Klopp... Guardiola and Mourinho are all without their lieutenants. Mm. They're all mm. without their number twos for the first time in a long time now. So it sees how, uh, it'd be interesting if they adapt to that as well. Definitely. And it, and it might make a difference how teams approach games against Manchester mm. City. Last year, I think they were just in awe of them too much. Mm. They, they were blown away. Basically, let's lose 2-3-0. I mean, two, three, on. I mean the Chelsea game just, it just is, is one that I thought was a, was a low. Mm. The way that Chelsea basically just gave up the ghost. They start walking around, don't they? I mean... This year, I would hope those teams that were battered by City last year will think, well, there's no point doing that again. Let, let, let's actually fight fire with fire here. Let's try and get in their faces. Let's not be afraid to press them and to win it in good areas. Because Man City will take chances. And I think you can score goals against them by pinching it off them in, inside their own defensive third with, with the likes of Stones maybe overplaying. Just want to see a bit more bravery. And if teams are braver against City they might drop more points. That's the hope, I think, for the neutrals. They, they need to find that chink. In the first, Pep's first season, they started the season exactly the same way. They started from fire. And then they got to the uh, team, the Manchester derby and Claudio Bravo came in and he made a mistake and then people smell blood. Mm. So they, then they think, oh, well, we can press them high. And people got success of it. Mm. And I think that's what uh, has to happen this year. Edison, Brazil number one. Yeah. Alisson, who's the best? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a tough one. I mean, I'll go with Tafarel really here. And, and, and Tafarel thinks that Alisson is the, the better of the two. Mm. Uh, he's, you know, he's been a, a long, uh, long time fan of him. And even from a, only seeing him a few times back in Brazil in Internacional, he, he he thought this is where the future of Brazilian goalkeepers now they're blessed. Uh, they've mm. got Cassio as well, you know. So uh, Edison would be number one anywhere, uh, would he? Apart from Brazil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of yeah, I, th- I thought he was a game changer in terms of what he could do with with, with his distribution last year. I mean, just ridiculously good, the best keeper I've ever seen, personally, with the ball at their feet. I think I think all this talk about Fernandinho that you've got a backup. I'd stick him in central midfield. I think he'd be just fine. <laughs> I mean, he's that good. He is that good. Um, but yeah, I'll bow to David's judgment. It was interesting, people. incidentally, that they tried 
John Stones in midfield for about 10 or 15 minutes, didn't they, in the community shift? It could be, it could be something that, that works. I, I've always had my doubts about John Stones, and I don't want to have doubts about him because I want him to be a brilliant centre-half for club and country. I want him to be an Eng turn himself into a, you know, the next Bobby Moore. But even though he had a very good World Cup, I wouldn't get too carried away. I think he's still... A lot of bad habits in this game, and I'm still not sure about his defensive nose. This is a big season for John Stones. He has to cement his place in City's first 11. If he can't, then he, he might have to move on. So, David, in this modern world, ultra competitive, is it possible to win the Premier League and the Champions League in the same season? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, they showed last season that uh, it's not impossible, it wouldn't be impossible for them to go through the whole season unbeaten in the Premier League. Uh, it's just those. Crucial games at the end of the Champions League and the, in the latter stages, uh, they need to find a way to get it, get beyond that semi-final stage, which they they did a couple of seasons ago. I think that um, as long as they they're keeping the same rule as they were last year, mm. yeah, anything's possible in the city. Yeah, they blew it, didn't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, last year, I mean, they're unlucky, I suppose, to draw Liverpool, who probably just stylistically had an advantage against City in terms of it, it just works for Liverpool against City. It's like they're their kryptonite. But yeah, I think the way the football they produced was the best in Europe. Mm, yeah. It was better than Real Madrid. They were a better team than Real Madrid, in my opinion. Mm. So that was one that got away. So if you're looking at other runners and riders, let's look at across the city at Manchester United. Yeah. Jose Mourinho, is he almost now becoming past his sell-by date? <laughs> I'm sure you asked me this last year, probably the year <laughs> before. It's, it's, uh, but he got second last year and we shouldn't ignore that. He, he did improve them. OK, they weren't great to watch. Um, it just feels like this third season syndrome, whatever you call it, is, is kicking into gear, doesn't it? And the morale is poor. Um, they're going to be hard to beat. They've got the players to finish second again, no doubt, but oh, I just don't know. I feel like the end game's coming. I do. I think when you are clearly at odds with the, the CEO, Edward Wood, then something's got to give. And, and also the morale of the players is something to consider. And the whispers are that the United squad are... Down in the dumps. I mean, managers do set the tone, don't they, David? Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. And I, I, well, I just think that's you know, the, the stuff with Martial. It, it can have a knock-on effect, and people say, well, if he can be treated this way, yes. there's nothing that say that I can't be treated this way. And and even like Sir Paul Pogba, you know what I mean? That there's the noises coming out and the remarks that he made makes about him. That's I don't know. That nobody's protected from from his barbs. It seems a trouble camp. And yeah. for, for for a club like that, where you think, well, there's so much that could be better, uh, and so much that's going wrong, that you think, well, even though they were second last year, yeah. have they got a chance of being? Tired? Yeah. Has it? Has he done? Has he been so good, Jose Mourinho, that the board will back him no matter what in terms of who he wants to sign, in terms of who he wants to get rid of, in terms of when he is at odds with the player, whose side do they take? Has he been so good that they think, well, Jose, we've got to back Jose, he's indispensable? In my opinion, he hasn't. Mm. Even though he improved their league position, no one seems happy. Fans are certainly not happy. Mm. They want to see better football. So you feel that the next big blow-up, if the board do not back Jose, it could all kick off and he could go. Because the, the mind games, if you want to call them that, they're just so obvious now, aren't they? You know, he's talking about, you know, we've had a difficult pre-season, we're, we're going to have a difficult season ahead. OK, so he's playing down expectations, surprise, surprise. But it's just too obvious, too transparent, isn't it? It's like uh, it's almost like the boy who cried wolf. You just switch off to it, you know, and it's, it it doesn't have an effect. And you think just concentrate on the football. 
you know, forget about all the histrionics, all the drama. Just mm. get on with the football. Deal with it. Deal with what's going on the pitch. Because like I said there's, there's so much around the, the, the team that needs to be rectified. I said before about the defensive team who aren't good at defending. <laughs> they, uh, they've got two. Uh, they play two wide men as fullbacks. When fullbacks are, you know, such a crucial part of, of football these days. You've got Sanchez, who's been used as to, to provide instead of score the goals when it should be the other way around. And yeah, yeah. If if Manchester United do get this pride centre half, someone that really really improves them, a Toby Alderweireld, shall we say, then most managers in Jose's position might then free the shackles of the players ahead because what has been what has happened to put in a nutshell is that he's not trusted his back four, so he's protected them by playing a very negative brand of football. If he gets a back four he can trust, and that means bringing in a, a real top-class centre-half, in theory, he should then play a much more expansive brand of football. Will it happen? We're all waiting to see. I just don't know. I just don't know. The old Jose would have. The old Jose, his teams were brilliant to watch, weren't they? So fast on the counter. Can he re recapture I, that magic at Old Trafford? I don't think, in it, to the opposite effect of what Van Dijk has had at Liverpool, it was, it was a, there was a noticeable, di noticeable difference in the second half of last season, defensively, mm. the chances that they gave up. Mm. I don't think another centre-half will make any difference to, okay. to, to Man United, mm. simply because, like I said, they, they defend in numbers, but ineffectively. You both know how dressing rooms work. In the context of United players being unhappy or perceived being unhappy with the way Mourinho is managing, how important will Michael Carrick be as a sort of go-between? Yeah, I think he could prove invaluable, simply because of the character that he is as well. You know, he's very likeable, and I'm sure the, the, there's got to be a, a little bit of distance now between him and the rest of the players, but obviously he's got that, that relationship anyway. I think he could be very important, but I think that... I cannot see for the life of me that Jose Mourinho is the same in the dressing room as he is in front of a camera. I yeah. can't see it, because normally you see the opposite. There's a, there's a great uh, clip of... Um, of the documentary from Manchester City, mm. where in the in the dressing room and in yeah. Pep's in, until my last days here, I will protect you from yeah. them outside. But I'm going to be honest in here, and it seems to be the other way around. He's been <laughs> too honest in front of the cameras. <laughs> yeah, I've said that before. I've said I don't believe that he's he's like that. That behind the scenes, he must be much more of a motivator and a happier character around the training ground. But <laughs> the whispers I'm hearing is that he's not, mm. and the, the the mood is quite sombre. And let's be honest, he's digging out. He basically just wrote off half of the professional playing staff that he took on tour to America and said, well, this isn't my team. Mm. So, well, my, you know, he's just he's basically just cut off 15 young players that are dreaming of making it this year. Basically, they now think, well, you don't really want me. Mm. So I think that has to have an effect. But going back to your original question, yeah, I think that is a really good appointment, Michael Carrick. All we've got to do is use him, though. Will he use him? Will Carrick have much of a say? Um, but if the players feel they can lean on Michael to get their points across without having to speak to Jose direct, that could be a, a way to make the pathway smoother. Is that something that Mourinho's used to do in bringing former players in? Because I'm not, I, I, off the top of my head... I, well, no, he had Rui Faria with him for, for what, 15 years, probably. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. And I just know that, you know, with, with Pep bringing in um, mm. Mikel Arteta, mm. you know, it sort of, it seems to be... Yeah, similar. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Mikel Arteta could have been Arsenal fan. He could, yeah. Um, you know, you've... You're around the club quite a lot. Yeah. Um, what's the mood like under Emery? Yeah, optimistic. I think there's massive changes from what we're hearing at the training ground. Culture's changed. It just needed to. I think you need, 
it came to the point where we just need a fresh voice, some new ideas, and a lot of changes, not just in our Emory, but it's brought big, you know, uh, backroom staff. And by all accounts, they're very enthusiastic. They are vocal, they're pushing the players, they're driving them really, really hard. They'd got into sort of a bit of a comfort zone. I think we all recognise that um, in recent years under Arsene Wenger. And yeah, it's, it's exciting times. I think the players are buying into it. And the one thing I expect Unai Emery to bring to the Arsenal team is structure. That was what was missing from them in, in recent years. And he will organise them. And when, when I talk about structure, I mean structure in possession, much less off the cuff. And without the ball, their the, the discipline will be greater, I believe. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. There's a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done, but uh, the vibes are good ahead of the new campaign. Mm. And, and look, even though they've got City and Chelsea first two games, Arsenal, that is the best time to play those two teams. They, they might lose them both. But they are the best times to play City and Chelsea. What, what about the goalkeeper situation? Very interesting. Yeah, I could, but the issue here is I would have said Leno was nailed on number one because of the transfer fee, but Petr Cech probably outshone him in pre-season. He was fantastic against Chelsea, and he's been really good with his feet during the pre-season friendlies. Because what else? This is one visible difference: is they're trying to play a little bit like Manchester City inside, in and around their own box. They're playing their way through the press. Um, very confidently, and the goalkeepers are much more heavily involved. Now, Leno is good at that, but Czech has proved during pre-season he's pretty good at it as well. So, mm. so, look, based on form, you might say Czech will start the season, but hand on heart, I just think when you've bought a keeper for that amount of money, you mm. pick him. But you, your assessment of Czech, would you play him? I would. I mean, Leno's come off the back of a very average season back in Germany. Maybe he's not a dip, but he's le his progress has levelled off a little bit. And I think that... I've always been in the opinion the last couple of seasons when there's been criticism of Petr Cech. I think a lot of it's down to the the change you know, going from Chelsea to Arsenal and the different uh, defensive styles. Mm. He's been left a little bit more exposed uh, than he was at Chelsea. You know, he had people, you know, Cavalli or Terry on the edge of his box, throwing, bo throwing bodies on the line, making sure that uh, people weren't getting through. It was a little bit more looser mm. with, with Arsenal, a bit more space in front of him to defend. So it means, you know, you, you've got to do a lot more work. Decision-making's got to be better. And it's probably taken a little bit while to adjust to that mm. as well. He's had a weakness from long-range shots for a while. He's been a little bit slow to get down to them. He's, so that is the one obvious sort of consistent weakness. Yeah, but look, the two very good keepers. And I think the shirt is definitely up for grabs. Um, I hope Leno I hope Leno can come in and, and shine because it, even though I'm a big fan of Petr Cech, I, I do think that there, was a, there are a lot of sceptics within Emirates Stadium on a match day. Mm. I think if you were to ask the 60,000, let's say the 60,000 Arsenal fans in the game, I think 45,000 of them at least would have said, yeah, I want a new keeper. So with that in mind, I believe that then I will probably play. Mm. Well, let's look at Chelsea then. Sarri's come in, you know, you look at that performance in the Community Shield, very poor really, mm. wasn't it? Now, do you read too much into that? It's less than seven days before the first game of the season, so, I mean, you, you've got to read it somewhat. I mean, over the course of pre-season, I mean, I've played so many pre-seasons where it's got, everything's gone wrong and you start the season well and, yep. and the opposite. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, only time will tell with that. I just think, that, I mean, defensively, yes, they look really leaden-footed, mm. they look as if they stand off, uh, especially if Sergio Aguero give them far too much space. Mm. And that'd be a worry for me. And, and Willie Caballero as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he, 
he looks like he hasn't recovered from the, from his World Cup either, so it's, um, it'd be important that the, the Courtois saga, whether that goes one with the other, and whoever they get into replacement, should he go, that's going to have a huge bearing on their season. Yeah, got to have a keeper issue. The one thing I would say from a tactical point of view is that they're so used to playing with three at the back, suddenly it's four. Mm. And, and they did mm. appoint him, let's remember, in mid-July. I mean, they left it pretty late. Mm. Now, you, you can argue they did that for financial reasons or whatnot with the, the dispute with Conte, but it's hurt them because he should have been in July the 1st drilling these players in, in the art of 4-3-3. And I worry that he hasn't got a natural centre-back partnership at the moment. He, he clearly wants to go with Luiz and Rudiger to start with. That's the start of the last two games. Mm. Lewis, for me, has to play in the three. Mm. I just don't trust him. And Rudiger is, is a decent defender, but again, I think better in the three. So that's going to take some getting used to. But it's a recurring question with Chelsea. Will the manager be allowed to manage? This time, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, the thing, because he's but what, got, he's what influence a, will he have in the transfer? Well, Roma's given up on it, hasn't he? I mean, Roma, he's not interested anymore, is yeah, he? <laughs> will he get his own players in, is what I'm saying. Uh, okay, he's done that once with, with Georgina. Well, he's running out of time. I think the difference got, you know, when they've had the likes of Ancelotti in before, they've had Conte. Italian coaches, they're taught to be very adaptable. Yeah. And, and that's what they can do. They can be very fluid with, with their systems and personnel. Sorry, comes in. He's got a, a very clear idea of where he wants to play. Mm. Obviously, he's been allowed to bring Jorginho in, which is a bit of a uh, somebody to carry, help carry that out on the pitch. But defensively, I mean, I'm surprised I haven't been linked with uh, Koulibaly at, yeah, uh, yeah. at Napoli. Well, he's just signing a new contract, isn't he? Is that right? You've okay. five year contract, yeah, well, that's I think. Why yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't worry about the midfield. I think Jorginho's a fantastic player. OK, he, 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 it might take him a few weeks to get used to the pace of the Premier League, but he, he, will, he will be really good at the base of midfield. You've got Conte, one of the best world winners in the world, great legs. He can be a box-to-box -box guy. And then you've got one other spot up for grabs. Fabregas still can do a job. Loftus Cheek is there now. He can, he can definitely do it. You could, Ross Barkley's hungry. I wouldn't expect him to him to play. But there's quite a lot of players there that can can fit into the four three three. Um, I'm a bit surprised they've given Pedro a new contract. I, I would have maybe upgraded there. Maybe need a faster centre forward as well. But I I just think he'll get it right. I think he's a really good coach. I find it really interesting that Sarri praised Barclay after Wembley. Mm. Where to be honest, he looks the player to be lost to me. Mm. I, when I saw him on a few occasions last season, it, it, that's exactly what he looked like. He looked like he didn't. He was unsure of his positioning, mm. didn't know where he was supposed to be, and, and and his game suffered because of that. And I think it's just, it's good that he's he's come out and praised him. Of course, it is. It'll probably give him a little bit of a lift from that, but. I don't know. It Not going to play, is he? Not going to play. I think that was one of the worst decisions, in terms of where a player chooses to join. I just thought Barclay's decision to join Chelsea was it was, was an awful one. Mm. It, plenty of clubs would have made would have built a team around Ross Barkley, but Stamford Bridge, he's a nobody. He's he's going to be on the right on the periphery again. I fear. We've not even mentioned Danny Drinkwater. No, England, yeah. England <laughs> yeah. national before he went there as well. You know, so it's. Yeah, it's been a graveyard for a lot of midfielders of late. Yeah. But, but well, speaking of which, he will improve should, players. He should Loftus Cheek then be a lot more proactive and basically say, "Play me." Or get rid of him. Oh, he doesn't know, does he? It's too early. There's not no time. Yeah. Did he come on in the community shield? He came on in the in the game against Arsenal late on. He's not obviously he's come back from the World Cup, so he hasn't had much chance to impress. For me, I think he would work really well in a in a Sarri team because he wants those two number eights mm. to bomb on. He's a great runner with the ball, he's really powerful. He can get around the pitch. I think he's tailor-made to be a star in the Chelsea team, and I think that Sarri will improve him. 
but you know, will he get the chance? Mm. Spurs, you know, not afraid of young players. Um, do they need a trophy now? <sighs> well, don't let them off the hook. No, no, my, my, no, every year, my, every year, Mike says Arsenal need a trophy. Arsenal need a tro they win trophies, and it's still not good uh, enough. But Spurs, Spurs are exempt. That's you getting defensive. <laughs> I don't think so, and and I think they they will be there. I think they'll be in the top three this this season. Um, I know we're going to do a predictions later on, but I really do think they'll be in the top three this season. And, and I, I do not think it's a bad thing that they, they, the lack of transfer activity, they're going to the new stadium, as well as getting the new, uh, being familiar with new surroundings. They're not going to have a lot of new faces to integrate, to, to get used to, to playing with uh, players already there. So I think it's a positive thing that they've got the continuity there. Mm. At the start of the show, I talked about top six saying the same, set yeah, in stone. Yeah. Can you see anyone breaking into that top six? No, no chance. No. I mean, did you see the points gap yeah. last year? I just don't see it. No, I think they've really pulled away. Since Leicester won the title, the big six sort of got their act together, didn't they? Hopefully it'll be a more interesting battle isn't it, for the top six with, with, with some interchanging of places. But, yeah, I just think none of the other teams are, are anywhere near in terms of quality or depth. So, obviously, you've got that chance for someone to do a Leicester. It's not impossible, but... I if you ask me to pick one, I, I, I can't. I genuinely can't. I think like a Wolves or West Ham might might really sort of exceed expectations this year, but I can't see a breach of the top six. Mm. What about Leicester? Can Leicester do a Leicester? <laughs> think, you know, they double down, haven't they, on, on Claude Powell? As well as Wolves, I think they might... Not that, I mean, the Premier League, they've been in the Premier League before, you know, so it's, it's been surprised, but... I think they'll definitely improve on, on last season, the last two seasons. I think it was the 13th and 12th, last mm. two seasons. They'll definitely improve. Defensively, they haven't been great. I know we probably think of them as a, as a defensive side, but Puel's tried to open them up a little bit more at a cost defensively. They've brought in Johnny Evans, who's a great signing. Pereira, one of the best right-backs in Europe, who could, I think he could play for any of the top six sides. Yeah, he's good. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. They've obviously they've lost Mares, but... I don't think that's, I don't think that's a, a bad thing, really, for them. And I think that, yeah, I, I really think that this season, that it, you know, those defensive qualities and, and additions yeah. can uh, they can go, but maybe it's eighth or ninth. I think. Yeah, on on that, there's only one player <clears throat> in two of the last three seasons that's gone into double figures for goals and assists in the same season, and that's Real Madrid. Mm. I think they miss him, but, but you know, I know there's some guess out. I know where you're coming from, but but because you always think he's an enigmatic player, but he has delivered in two of the last three seasons big time, and you take that amount of goals and assists out of a team, it's a problem. What I will say is that James Madison, the the, the mm. kid they've brought in the from Norwich. I think he's a really terrific mm. player. I mean, you see the goals he yeah. scored last year, real real great goals, weren't they? If he can deliver on his talent and is given a chance to play regularly, he might be the new Mahrez. They, they haven't had that player. Yeah. They haven't had a playmaker. And obviously, they, he, Puel wants them to play a little bit more, like I said, at a cost defensively. Now they've showed up at the back and they've got Madison. I think he really can't... But you want players in there who've got renewed ambition. Because let's face it, you know, if you're 32 and you just won the Premier League yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. you're not going to get any better, are you? Yeah. So, are we seeing the team sort of naturally regenerate? I think it's freshening up. I think, actually, probably the biggest problem for Leicester is the manager is boring. Mm. Claude Perel is dull. Mm. I'm assuming on the training ground he's, he's a much more vibrant character than he is His press in the media. He's pure mother, no, but, you know. But, but, but I, I also think that, tactically, he's just boring. He's not expansive. He's, he's definitely safety first. And we've got good talents like a Madison, and you've got players, players like Vardy that, that can win your games. 
you just wonder, is he, is he going to extract the best of, out of his attacking players? That's the one fear I've got for Leicester, but they should do well. Yeah. First BT Sport live game of the season is Wolves against Everton. Uh, what do you expect to see there? I'm hoping that we see Wolves come flying out the traps. Um, you know, it, it, we talked about the one surprise team. I, I do hope it's them because I, I think they're going to be so enjoyable to watch. Mm. The manager's intriguing to me. You know, he's uh, he spent sort of much of his career as a number two goalkeeper. So I've, you know, I've got, <laughs> got some affinity <laughs> with him now. You know what I mean, <laughs> it's uh, he, he's a real thinker and. Uh, you know, we talk about Conte and Ancelotti adjusting to the. But he's lively, isn't he? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah, he's got again like Jukanovic. He's got an intensity there, and uh, but he, he adjusts everywhere he's gone. Every club he's managed, he's uh, he's adjusted to what he's got there, yeah. and then so he's got this kind of like three-four-three three, formation. That now he's built on that with the obviously the acquisitions from from Mendes United, but it's <laughs> it's really exciting. And, and I mean, you've got people like Conor Cody as well, like you know, who fits in that system great, providing the extra defender Definitely. going into midfield. It's just going to be really exciting. And I think Everton, they've got to be wary. I mean, you see that Mark was silver in pre-season already in the post-match interviews. He's got the look of a worried man already. Like, yeah. Pre-season's got badly yeah, for Everton. Yeah, yeah, but we've all been in pre-season where we've been, you've been rubbish and then it's... But they were, out, they, okay, were, yeah. they were getting hammered, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not been pretty yeah, for Everton. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd, based on form and, and momentum and everything, you'd say that Wolves should beat Everton. But if you cast your mind back to Marco Silva when he came in at Hull, pretty instant mm. response, then it tailed off. Watford last year... Fantastic at the start for the first few months, brilliant. It tailed off. You you, you kind of think, is that going to happen? If that doesn't happen at the start, if they don't get off to a fast start, and then it tails off, maybe Everton could go backwards. So I do think he he expects to hit the ground running. Tough opener for Everton, really is. Yeah, and also I think if you look at that club, it's almost been sold the dream. We're going to be the challengers. We're going to be the ones who break into the top six. Yeah, they're miles away from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you see the side that, that actually got them in the top six under uh, under David Moyes. You know, it wasn't sort of like the like big names, expansive football. They got through there through hard work and grit and determination. It's it's one of those like you know when people keep saying to me about the likes of Manchester City and say yeah, well they're buying the way at the title. There's a lot of teams who have pumped money into football clubs and uh, managers spent money and not got anywhere near. Mm. You know, so you still got to give credit to those teams who yeah, spend them well. The identity's just not been there under Moyes. They were always Fast tempo, gritty, hard to beat. Under Martinez, much more expansive. Under Koeman, it sort of was a bit of a mishmash. And then, and, you know, and under Allardyce, they were super defensive, just negative. So what are they going to be? I think they just need to marry, don't they? Being tough to beat, because that's the Everton way, fighting, but also having that, that boldness to go and attack teams. This is Everton. Everton, in the Merseyside derby last year, at home to Liverpool, who were depleted, they rested pretty much their whole team. Everton were happy for a nil-niller. That culture has to change, and it will under Silva. But are they good enough to be good at both ends of the pitch? I, I think Brands plays a big part in this. Uh, good sporting director. Sporting director, simply because now that he, he's in there, they can have an identity uh, and they have some sort of continuity. Like I said, they've jumped around different styles, they've mm. played different managers. We probably, in, in English football up to now, up to recent years, we probably thought sporting director, director of football isn't a good idea mm. because it doesn't work straight away. You know, the first appointment isn't a good one, then it's just scrapped. There needs to be sort of a, a, a philosophy through your sporting director, through your director of football, and that has to be held to. Mm. So that, you, you, you know, you, like I said, your first appointment might be the best one, 
but as long as the improvement as it goes on and there's a clear vision, then that's exactly what's needed, Evan. Yep. Mm. Burnley were the breakthrough team yeah. last season. Yeah. Is Sean Dyche being given the tools to continue the job? Well, he said, yeah, he signed a bumper new contract, didn't he? And then, yeah, he's not been back with huge funds, although he did sign Ben Gibson, mm. uh, which is an interesting one, isn't it? Because me and Tarkovsky were terrific last year, weren't they? Does that mean they're going to go at three at the back, or, or is, is, it, is me going to be shunted to left back? I wonder. It'd be fascinating to see what happens there. Yeah, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Because if they do make it into the Europa League group stages, you, you wonder that they haven't got that depth to rotate. So are the players going to be able to maintain it? Yeah, I, I, I do feel a bit for Burnley, but then I, this time last year I probably said they'd go down and they finished seventh. So, yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, Dyche is great. We, we, we all love Sean Dyche, but it's not been the most ambitious summer, has it, at, at Turf Moor? No, it's the nature of the club to a degree. You know, against your old club, Aberdeen, um, what was your sort of progress report on them? I, I wasn't impressed with them at all. Right. And I think that was because they had to change the game to a certain extent. Yeah. They had to come out a little bit more. They had to show a little bit more ambition and it just didn't quite work with them. And, and in the end, especially in the first leg at, up at Pataudry, in the second half, they just put Sam Vokes and uh, Chris Wood up front and kind of just became a little bit more physical. I think when it comes to getting the ball down play, they, they could have done it a lot more. They had a chance to do it a little bit more. And Aberdeen were, were lucky to go out. Mm. I thought they'd maybe deserve more from yeah, it. Because they've got more respect from opposition teams now, there is a chance that Burnley will have more of the ball. And you're right, when they have more of the ball, they don't always look at the most mm. comfortable. It's like, have they got the players to really be good in possession? That's the challenge for Sean Dyche. And if he actually, if he can nail that and really improve them on the ball and make them more creative without sacrificing the, the defence, then his stock as a coach, well, in my head and in most people's heads, it will, it will go yeah. through the roof. They've got players who can put a foot, foot in the ball. They've got Jack Cork, lovely footballer. And, and I think the goalkeeper situation is an interesting one there because of the injuries that they've had. I know there's, there's some talk about uh, Joe, Joe Hart possibly going there as well. Mm -hmm. And as Lindegaard did very well, considering he hasn't played much. Yeah. I think the reality is, though, probably half the teams are fearing relegation. Mm. The ones coming up, let's, let's take them one by one. Cardiff. Neil Warnock, well, we know what we're going to get from Neil Warnock, probably the most direct team since the crazy yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, maybe. What about the chairman? Has he hedging his bets? Because the, the, they haven't spent an awful lot of money, have they? Not loads. I mean, Bobby Reid, I think, is a, it's worth a punt. He was really good, I thought, in the Championship last year. And it gives them something different up top. It was all about, wasn't it, the big guy last year and, and, and feeding off scraps and second balls. Not, do you know what? I think sometimes it, Neil Warnock is labelled a bit unfairly. I watched a bit of Cardiff last year. Yes, they're abrasive. Yes, they do go very long. Oh, they bomb it in. Oh, no, they, they boom it. But actually, what they do, they boom it to the final third. Once they're in the final third and they, they hold the ball up, then he really does encourage flair and imagination and, and he likes to have talented players. He's bought um, Murphy, hasn't he, from Norwich, yeah. who is a bit of a match winner that can do that kind of thing. Bobby Reed's of the same ilk. So let's, let's, let's watch this space. I don't think they'll be as ugly as people are, are trying to portray. The issue is, have they got the players to score enough goals? And when I look at the squad, I still have my doubts. But we said that about Huddersfield and they sort of just about got over the line. So, um, mm. but... Neil Warnock has never really done it in the Premier League. I'd love him to this year. I really would. Yeah. Huddersfield, would it be sort of third time unlucky? You know, they came up surprisingly. They survived even more surprisingly, according to most people. What are they going to be like this season? I don't know if this is the fourth season, because, I mean, did, did he not keep... He sort of kept them in the, the Championship the season before, mm. so it's... 
I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with them simply because, I, I, like we talk about philosophies, having a clear way of playing, they've got that. And then I think they've actually bought well this summer. Like Congo from uh, 20 million from, from Monaco. Comes to something when Huddersfield pay 20 million. Yeah, play. So yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> from where they've come. I mean, do you know what I mean? When, when they were in League One, they were probably underperforming for a long time because they had the, the biggest budget in that league and it took them a few attempts to come up using that budget. But now they're in there and obviously they've got the, the renewed money from, uh, from being in the Premier League and staying up. They've got a chance, and you can't help but like the manager either. Mm. Like I said, he's a uh, yeah, yeah, maybe diet Jurgen Klopp, but he's he's, yeah, he's the best player in Wagner. Yeah. I think he's their best asset. A little bit of Rafa at Newcastle. He's, he's the star man for Huddersfield. I worry about the keeper. What's your thoughts on Lerzo? Lerzo. I, I, I don't rate him. I just don't rate well, him. Well, do you know what? He, he had an exceptional year for him last year. Uh, he, he made his errors. But from the people I spoke to uh, from Germany, mm. just saying that he was a mistake waiting to happen. Mm. But uh, they've secured him for two and a half million pounds. He's got this signed, signed Ben Hamer from Leicester as well. So they're not very strong in that department. No, no. And I think it'll... Yeah, he has to have another season like last year. Um, and they need Schindler to, to, yeah, to exactly. step up again. He was, he was brilliant last year. He was one of those mm. that came in. If he dips, they could be in trouble. Yeah. Are we... Of the mind that Fulham have got enough quality and potential to actually stay up. Oh yeah, I don't even think it's a question. I don't even. I'm not worried about Fulham. If I'm a Fulham fan, I'm I'm absolutely buzzing. Obviously, a couple of months into the season, and you're in the bottom three. You might start. <laughs> you might start thinking, what was you talking about? But when I think about the football they produce, the the momentum they've got, actually just the players they've got, and the manager they've got, I really like Yakanovic. I'm not worried. I, th I think that they should be well away from trouble. I think, yeah, they're going to be hard to play against because they'll keep the ball well. And I think, yeah, that they'll score, unlike Huddersfield, I think they'll score plenty enough goals. Mm. There's always a club that sort of sleepwalks to disaster. Who are you fearing for this season? Ooh, probably Southampton, I think. Mm. And the decline's been coming for a few years. They haven't been recruiting well at all. You know, that, that was the big strength. You know, they, they, they brought in, they sold them on for a profit and then replaced them with the same potential again and it's just not happening now. And I think, yes, Mark Hughes, uh, he turned them into a better side defensively because mm. they were awful in defence last year. Uh, but I haven't said that. I think they only got eight points from the last eight games. Mm. And it was enough, obviously. They've brought in uh, Yannick. The uh, best of guys. Yeah, yeah. The big guy. Yeah, which I think is a good signing. Um, That's an old-school Southampton signing that you can see him having a really good season and being sold on. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and they've, like I said, the, the Stevens last year was a little bit sort of erratic for me. Um, That's one area that they definitely... Anyone else for you? Uh, was sleepwalking. Yeah. Watford. think that Watford's run of... Constant evolving might might trip them up finally. I, I, again, we probably say that every year, and they end up in mid table. Mm. But you, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sold. I mean, the transfers De La Feo is obviously good if he can keep him fit. Ben Foster's come in; he's a good keeper, but he, he was part of a relegation side last year, so he's not not that good. But De La Feo is more of an impact sub, almost. Yeah, I do, I, yeah. I'm just I just worry about Watford. I, I I just think that they. I'm not a huge fan of Javi Gracias so far. Did you know they're not they're not scored a goal away from home since he's become a manager. They've certainly not won a game away from home since he's become a manager. Um, they can't score uh, on their travels under Javi Grazia. So that's an issue, obviously, moving forwards. And if they don't arrest that problem, then they're bang in trouble. Right. So, um, tin helmet time, you know, taking all that into account. Um, can we have... Let's start off with top four. 
Uh, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard. Um, I, I'm not going to have Arsenal outside of the top four. Um, I think they will improve. But you, you've got to take into account with Arsenal, their away form was dreadful. 16 points last year. They were 11th in the away table. That won't happen again. So they will improve. So on the basis of that, I'm going to put them in the top four. I'm going to back Sarri um, and I'm going to put them into, into third, even though they're not looking good. I think that, that, that they might come good. And then I'll go with Liverpool second and City third. And I'm going to go with... City first, mate. Uh, City first, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go with Spurs fifth, new stadium issues. Uh, and I'm going to go with a Manchester United disaster season. I'll go with... Uh, I'll start from the top. City, Liverpool, Spurs and United. Right. And going down? Watford. Just, I've just said that I don't fancy them. Uh, I think Huddersfield with the the, the, the goal scoring problems. I, I think that I think that might trip them up. And as much as I'd like Neil Warnock to succeed in the Premier League, I worry that they just haven't got enough in forward areas. So I'll go for Cardiff too. Yeah, I'll go for Cardiff, Southampton, and one other. Yeah, perhaps Huddersfield. I think. I mean, they have strengthened. The, they've uh, they've brought in well, I think. But I'm not sure whether they've uh, they'll have the same luck this season. Well, romantic that I am, Liverpool as champions, City a close second, Chelsea and United could even miss out on the top four. As for relegation, Cardiff, Huddersfield and Southampton. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.